stay up to date on the green and gold all off season. The green and gold fix podcast is brought to you by Potawatomi casino hotel, luxury stay, elite play unwind in sophisticated comfort, win big dine and experience the events in Milwaukee. Our former Aaron Rodgers teammate interview series, which has been wildly successful. And I'm thrilled that so many of you have been supportive of it because it kind of started on a whim. Continues even though Tausch decided to take today off and miss out on today's former Aaron Rodgers teammate. Now, Ashton, I have a small problem here. Oh boy. Before we welcome in Will Blackman. Um, so Tausch teases me because I always like to say this guy's one of my favorite humans or one of my favorite guys I covered. Will Blackman is one of my favorite humans and one of my favorite guys that I've covered. And if he wasn't, I would hate his guts. Because he is, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever covered. He and his wife, Shauna, are two of the most beautiful people I've ever known. Their kids are beautiful. He's multi-talented. He's been a great football player. He's got his wine business. He's on NFL Network. He's one of those people in your life that is good at everything. And it's obnoxious. So it's jealousy. It's just unbelievable that somebody could be so good at everything. And now he joins us after I've badmouthed him publicly on the air. Will, good morning. How are you, buddy? Well, apparently I wasn't good enough to stay and win the damn Super Bowl with us. So, you know. Well, that was not my decision, though. (laughs) You can't put that on me. I'll put it on all you guys. On everyone. Okay? I'll, I'll... I'll I'll take the blame. Uh, I've got broad shoulders. I can handle it. How have you been? This is that we're going to ask you an Aaron Rodgers question or two, but this is more my way of playing. You know, where are they now? I you're you're on social media. I see you, you there. Crazy, I see. Though? Yeah. I know something crazy is I still to this day. Well, I've known you for like what, 15, 16 years. I don't even know. Um, I still don't know how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> it will always be wild to me okay that's that's just uh, what it is that's what it looks like uh, and that's what it's going to be I'll, I'll make you a deal if the sports writing and the sports radio thing falls apart for me and i'm looking for work you'll you'll hire me uh with your winery and everything you're doing and i can do like your website and stuff you can call me whatever the hell you want Deal? Oh, good, man. Sure. All right. So, so let's let's start with Rogers, and then let's talk about your life because it's a fascinating life. You obviously do your work in the media as you've watched the Aaron Rodgers story unfold. You were drafted, I think, a year after him, so you were teammates with him for several years. What's been your view from where you've been watching this from? So here's here's the thing, especially when we're dealing with. Um, like, like players like that, you know, we, we have all these, um, like speculations, what have you in the media, which has been going on for months. And I remember even reporters are asking me, like, what do you think about this whole Aaron Rodgers thing? I'm like, well, he hasn't even said anything for like three months. So I don't know what to say, you know, until he speaks. And then finally, yeah, he right. said something on the other day, just about, you know, culture and, and taking care of the people or whatever it was. But I don't know, man, it's, I honestly don't know what to think about anything, you know, when it comes to this. I don't, I don't, I don't know because it's it's funny. At first, 
you know, you're like, oh, is it, you know, is it McCarthy? And he's out of there. Now, who is it? Okay, I guess it's Brian. You know, it's, or it's Mark. I don't know. So it's hard, especially for me, it's hard when I'm not there. You know, like I, right. I was there, you know, with the whole, you know, Farber and Rogers deal. You know, I was there in, you know, Washington with the whole Scott McCool in there. So, like, I could speak on those things when I was there. But from afar, I don't know what's going on in, in that locker room. So, but but here's the part that I do think you have insight to because you just mentioned it. You know, they, I think, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were released at the end of camp in 10 with like an injury settlement, right? So that's why you missed the Super Bowl run. Um, you know how guys are treated in this league, right? It's a cold business. Doesn't matter what you've done before. It's what are you doing for me now? And you've experienced, I mean, you, you've gone to different teams. You've really had that level of experience during your NFL career. I think you even, didn't you spend some time in the CFL at one point? Um, yeah, so you I, know I the business. The highs of the highs and lows of the lows. Yeah, no question. Right! So when you've lived that life, I'm wondering how you look at a player like Rodgers, who's a gold jacket Hall of Fame quarterback. Should he expect to be treated differently? Because I do think that that's what this whole thing has largely come down to, is that he doesn't want to be treated like Will Blackman. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> My God, dude. What the hell, man? Um, well, yeah, because I, you look at... For example, you look at, let's just, I, I always go to the NBA, and when LeBron did not win the MVP, um, I think when Giannis won it, um, he was like, it's all good. He, says, he said, it's all good. I know the NBA knows what I do for them. You know, it's about, like, our, our respecting. And I feel like, you know, Aaron, has, he knows he's been the main staple to keep the Green Bay Packers competitive. And he is looking for some respect because at the end of the day, man, it's, I remember, was it recently when uh, Kyrie stepped on the logo and everyone goes crazy about it and Big Baby Davis is like, you know, you don't step on the logo and all that stuff. I'm like, look, people, the logo does not give a damn about any of us. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, right? it, the organization will always be there. Players come and go. The organization will always be there. So when it comes to a player trying to get everything he can, trying to get respect, trying to uh, have his say, it, I get it because it's always going to be there. I, I've seen, you know, players come and go, leave, leave the team where they built Hall of Fame careers. You know, we've seen Peyton Manning get released. We've seen Charles get released, you know, and, you know, Emma Smith right. gets released. You know what I'm saying? Like, Joe Montana gets traded. I mean, the teams are going to move on. It, it doesn't even matter. So the logo is always going to be there. So I get in terms of what he's, what he's trying to do in terms of, like, the respect and the culture and, and the people. Like, you know, he, he only has so much time. So I feel him on that because that's just that's how it's going to be, man. It, it, does, it does not even matter. And, yeah, going back to when I got released, like, that was, that was massive. Like for me, because right, I could never, I could never get healthy um, towards the end. You know, my my surgery didn't go well, and and I I noticed during training camp they just kept bringing in returners, bringing in returners, bringing in returners to try to even try to move me a safety a little bit to try to see if I could figure that right. out. You know, last minute, and 
you know, I just couldn't get together. And I knew, I knew that year, like we were going to go, like I knew that was going to happen, you know, and they always show the story of when Mike showed the, the blank roster. I'm like, yeah, like it's, it's go time. You know, it's the four year plan that every team works on to get the Super Bowl. So that was tough, but I get it. You know, they, they keep trying to find guys at the end of the day. You know, that was the one thing that um, Charles, you know, told us early. He was like, look, you know, the, re- the reason why I keep working because every day they're trying to find somebody else. He said, I know that despite me having an all pro season every year, that's what helps me have an all pro season every year is because I know how organizations think, you know, I know, I know, I know how that works. Jerry Rice, that was his biggest fear is that they were going to bring somebody in to replace him. You know what I mean? Right. So. Talking with Will Blackman on Will the In Touch, you mentioned, you mentioned Charles. He joined us last week, and, and he's another one of my favorite humans. But how much of an influence, both as a football player and as a person, and frankly as a wine connoisseur and entrepreneur, has he been on you? I know how close you guys are. Yeah, I mean, he was – obviously, I grew up watching him when he was at Michigan, and it was cool the fact that I got drafted the same year he was signed. Uh, and it's funny because uh, when they – I think it was Ted or was it uh, George Coons, they called me and they were like, hey, what number do you want? And I was like, damn, we just signed Charles, so I don't want 24 because he's probably going to take 24. I'll take 27. I show up and he has 21. I'm like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> <You know? laughs> it, was, it was so fun. But no, he was huge, man. And it was, it was, um, it, it was always cool to see um, how, how normal, how humble these guys were. You know, when I was training for the um, NFL draft, I mean, for the combine, you know, I, I signed to uh, same agent as Dion, you know, the late Eugene Parker and uh Polarent. and when i went to orlando i got to train with dion and i didn't know what to expect i never met the dude in my life and he's just the most down-to-earth regular you know cool dude ever just so, so chilled so normal you know um and that's what it was for charles i remember my first day in the cafeteria uh, at, at lambo it was like you know, it was literally the first day of school. I didn't know anyone but my teammates who I got drafted with. But I still sat in the back, you know, by myself and just ate my own breakfast. And I remember Charles went and got his food and he's looking for someone to sit. And he walks all the way to the back and decides to sit with me and get and want to get to know me. And and then, you know, I find out, you know, we live in the same – he's my neighbor in the same building. So we really got to be cool. And he was just instrumental in just how he – how he did his thing and, and he always preached, man. He was like, he said, the one thing my mom told me, man, he said was to truly like, like make sure at the end of the day that you are treated with respect as a man, no matter what he said, always make sure that's the case. So if he was having conflict with somebody, it's cause maybe he felt disrespected. You know, the first year in Green right. Bay, him and him and Mike were at odds the whole year. You yep. know, um, it, it took them forever to get on the same page. And eventually they did. And it worked out for the better for the both. So bring it back full circle, you know, to what, what Aaron is, it probably comes down to just a respect thing. And, you know, maybe he doesn't feel it. But, yeah, just just in terms of like everything he's done, um, 
in terms of just how he carried himself. Um, he's like this all-world player. He can totally be the opposite. He was just, just great. And it was cool to see someone of his stature, not to just be like, like wine, but he was full-fledged in the wine business. So it was cool to see another football player, another African-American football player to be in that space. Um, that was that was inspiring for me to, to even have interest. Um, I always I had my own palette in terms of what I like, but uh, he definitely was. You know, you always see somebody who who makes like a, who makes it seem like okay, that's possible. You know, so that was cool. So, uh, so speaking of Charles Woodson, we're talking with Will Blackman on Wilde and Tausch. I am on the WineMVP.com right now. Explain for people what it is that you because Charles obviously has his own line of wines. What is it that the wine MVP is? Yeah, so so right now um, there is a, it's a full on concierge, it's a wine concierge. So I would partner with people like Charles and help you know get his wine into people's hands. You know, I'm the I'm like the middleman, the plug, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so right now I do have a wine club. It's two bottles that um, I pick uh, with the wine exchange. I partner with them. And it's 80 bucks a month. Go to your house right now. Uh, working on some really cool things, some uh, cool rebranding, some changes that's going to come in the fall. So stay tuned for that. But I do like private events, private tastings, um, all kinds of stuff like that. I did one with the NFLPA. I did one with a bunch of corporate companies. And actually, I just got booked this summer to work with a couple NFL teams that I won't say yet. And they want me to come and do a tasting for the players. So. Yeah, it's wow. been super cool to do that. Uh, I've been, you know, studying and getting all these certifications, and I just love the education uh, that wine has. And for me, that's – I always tell people, that's how it was with uh, football, man. It's, I was a huge historian. I used to have all these old-school, you know, NFL films with, like, you know, John Facenda's voice and Sam Spence, you know, composer. Like, who knows the composer at four years old? I did, you yeah. know? And – that's why it was super cool for me to get drafted to Green Bay because, like, that's – like, I loved all that stuff, all the history, all the – whatever it was. It was it was cool to, you know, meet Fox Star when I was there. It was cool when I went to Washington and, you know, you, you, you're you going to the restroom and you see Sonny Jurgensen having a cigar in the hallway and you're like, man, this is – you know, Daryl <laughs> Green, Green walks in to get the mail. You're like, what is this? You know what I mean? Um, it, it was pretty rad, man. So I, I, that's how it is for wine. Is there's so many cool stories. There's so many. It's bigger than just you know fermented grape juice, man. It was. There's, there's so many cool things that go along with it. I, I will say this. I was always amazed, though. Like, I remember Charles, while he was still playing, trying to market his wine and the NFL basically cracking down on him, even though they have all their beer partnerships and everything else. It was, I thought it was a little hypo, uh, hypocritical for them to do that while players were trying to get started in their post career passions while they were still playing. Which leads me to this question, Will. You know, Tausch and I talk about this a lot, and we, we certainly have guys that either I covered or you and or he played with that after it was over for their playing career, it was a struggle for them to kind of find their place. From the outside looking in with everything you and Shauna and the kids have going on, it looks like your segue was really smooth. 
Was it, and how big of a challenge is it to kind of find your place when you don't have 70,000 people cheering for you when you take out the garbage, which is a, a line that Gilbert Brown once said to me, that he's exactly right. It's a totally different life. What was your transition like into post-football life? Well, there's, there's, there's two transitions that pro athletes go through, right? It's your, it's your initial transition into your sport. You know, you just say me, for example, I'm in college, you know, on a scholarship. I go to class, play ball, and that's it, right? Um, I did major in English, but that was that. I played, went, to, played, went to class, play ball. And then I get drafted. You know, you get a contract. You have to buy a house. You got to buy a car. You have an agent. You have an accountant. You have all these things. You have bills. But you still need to go to work and play ball because that's the most important thing, you know? So now... Before, it was just class and football. Now, it's all football, but now you have real-life issues you need to handle. So, right. to, try to, balance, to try to balance all those things. And then some people have, you know, family stuff going on. So, to balance all those things and to, to still put out a good product on the field is super hard. Now, eventually, you do get adjusted. Some people do, some people don't, but usually you get adjusted if you've got the right people. Now, obviously, the most challenging part is when you leave – uh, the game, uh, because it's, you know, put me wanted to play in the NFL. I was the only thing in life I want to do. That's the only thing. I just wanted to play football as long as possible. And that's it. You know, the peop- I love it's I, I love the, the movement when people say, you know, more than an athlete. But honestly, I was fine with that. That's all I wanted to be was a pro athlete. You know, that was right. That was my dream. That's it. And so, you know, you do that, and that was my passion, and then you leave. It's like, little, it's like taking the hamster off the wheel. It's like, now what? You've done one thing your whole life. You know, For me, for example, I played from age of 6 to, what, 34 years old. That's all I ever did. My whole life was scheduled for me. It was planned. I knew my times every year, the date every year for almost 30 years to do one thing. And so now it seems ridiculous but i gotta make my own schedule now you know i i need to i want to i want to do something where i'm passionate because you're not going to fill that void i did i love people miss the locker room i miss like literally walking onto the field like a gladiator was it cheers or booze like i thought that was the i thought that was the coolest thing in the world yeah feel that energy you know and you know that's it's not the case so I thought, like, okay, would I want to go coach? Sure, I can go coach. That's, that's easy. I can go do that. But, you know, do I, after playing 12 years, do I want to put those hours, again, you know, away from my family? Do I want to do that? You know, I considered front office management stuff because I love evaluating. I'm always giving my notes on social media about guys. And, you know, I help. Sometimes I get calls from agents about players and sometimes agents, I mean, from GMs, and sometimes agents call me to help their players get ready for the league. And so, sure, I, that will be fun, too. But, again, the TV stuff, it's cool being on TV and all that, but, man, does any of that truly move me? I feel like something I'm passionate about, the way I measure it is the days that are super tough, the days that suck, am I still willing to, like, get up and go do it? Then, okay, I'm passionate about it. But if I get up right. and I'm like, damn, this is, this is challenging, it's not worth it, then it's like, you know. And I would say majority of guys, it's hard. It's hard. Sure, people can be like, well, 
you know, some guys made hundreds of millions of dollars and they're set. They're set now. They don't need, they don't need to work, but it's, it's different, man, because those guys, they just, they need something to do, you know? Yeah. It's not, it's, it's more than just, Oh yeah, they're financially set. No, it's not the stress of, I need money. It's the stress of like, gosh, I was doing one thing one way for so long. This was like my energy. This was my source. This is what I knew what to do. And now it's like, um, you know, yes, guys do have ego issues. Like I'm not that guy anymore. It's no one's cheering for me. Nothing matters. I'm not, I, I walk down the street. I'm this whatever millionaire and no one knows who I am. Like that's, you know, that's, a reality case. That's a little, you know? a huge uh, pill for guys to swallow. So it's harder than most people think. And it doesn't matter if you made a lot of money or a little bit of money. It is an, it is an unreal transition to figure out. And, and I wouldn't say mine was super smooth. I was fortunate to find something that I wanted, but you know, it's, I'm, I have a startup and it's, and it's a beast to, connect and meet with the right people and deal with the right people and learn the right things. Like I had to essentially go back to school just to learn the business side of the wine business. So, right. Um, you know, but I'm enjoying it. And that, and that's why I doubt that Aaron Rodgers would actually retire. All those things you said about playing and your life being that way, it just isn't this. I can't see a guy who says he's going to play five to seven more years uh, retiring because he's unhappy with the front office. Will, I got to you know let you though? go. I, Thanks for. No, you can, but I don't. I don't. I would not put that past Aaron. I won't either. I doubt it, but I don't put it past him. But it sure seems like it would be hard, dude. It's cool. always great to catch up. Don't be a stranger, and make sure. Let's make sure that the next time you come on, Tausch actually shows up for work. All good.